Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler from the state of North Carolina with my co-host, Tim Bench from the state of Texas, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, Steve Corder from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Dr. Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey, and Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida. Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful that you are tuning into our broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ. We would ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com, or you can give me a call at Stevie B's Me Production Studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ, and if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, Get out your Bibles and stay along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask you to bow with me a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving Heavenly Father, the Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we're prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we praise you will be with my co-host on the show this evening, Glenn McMillian, who will be breaking unto us the bread of life. And also my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman, as he answers the questions on the hearts of so many. We pray that you will bless them and their families. Let's continue to support their efforts to sow the seed of the cloud. We pray that you would bless our listeners this evening who are tuning in 
this broadcast through Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that their hearts may be pricked as they consider their eternal stance before you and their soul salvation. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful unto death, Father, we pray that you will save us. For in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the radio broadcast this evening. Our speakers for this evening in the first segment will be my co-host, Glenn McMillian. He serves with the Waterview Church of Christ there in Richardson, Texas. He'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, I have a question from my shouted out platform on social media, Facebook. I'll be posing to my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman. He serves with the Newark Church of Christ there in newark new jersey now in the last segment my co-host robert lee johnson was scheduled for the show but he uh came down ill so i'm i'm going to either stand in for him or one of my other co-hosts will stand in for him and doing his segment so open up your bibles and open your minds and let's have a great show after the break the next one should be that of my co-host glenn mcmillian enjoy the show Let it shine from the 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co-host, Glenn McMillian, and his subject, unavailable for comment. Good evening, and welcome to another edition of the Gospel Light Radio Show. As you've heard, my uh, topic for this evening is unavailable for comment, and let me set the table for what we're going to be talking about uh, this evening. Uh, so about a month ago, uh, uh, a, a picture went around the Internet on uh, all of the social medias uh, of a letter that was drafted uh, to a woman from the elders of a congregation, in this case the Woodstock Church of Christ in Georgia, uh, telling her that she was going to be no longer welcome at the congregation because she had decided to leave her husband and engage in a relationship with another woman. This went around for a little while and was soon picked up by the news media the news media put together a story, uh, making uh, this woman look like the, the victim of spiritual abuse by this congregation. And in the articles and in the, the, the videos, it says that the, they attempted to contract, contact the church for their side as the elders were unavailable for comment. Now, let me preface this by saying I don't know anything about Woodstock Church of Christ. I've never been there. I don't, I've never been to Georgia. I don't know anybody there. So I, I don't know. I can't vouch for this congregation's faithfulness or unfaithfulness uh, to whatever. Um, I don't have any personal skin in the game in this, uh, this uh, story. I'm talking from a purely theoretical perspective. If, the, if a congregation has this, your congregation, my congregation has this kind of issue come up where a story, an article in the, news, in the local newspaper in the public sphere is written to and addressed to attack the congregation, the members of the congregation, the leadership of the congregation. Do the elders have a responsibility to respond? And I will say my first impression, that my, my, my gut reaction when I first heard this, was that the function of an elder is to be 
uh, one of the the words that that is synonymous with elder throughout the New Testament is the word shepherd. Shepherds, as you know, have the responsibility for taking care of the flock. They tend to the flock. They make sure the flock's needs are are addressed, and they protect the flock from attacks, from wolves, from predators, from natural and unnatural disasters. That is their job. Uh, when when Jesus uses the, the picture of the shepherd, when he says that I am the door, he's literally talking about the, the fact that the shepherd would literally be the door of the sheep pit. He would literally lie in front of it so that the, the, the sheep could not escape without it going through him or over him, around him, also so that nothing could come in without going through him. Uh, he would to put his life on the line for the sheep. So at least he couldn't say that, that his master couldn't say that he had run away and, and abandoned the sheep. If he's going down, he's going down first. And the sheep are only going to get get eaten over his literally over his dead body. So, in that context, in that vein, the idea of the elders not being available for comment and and not responding to what is obviously an attack. This article was not written to be fair. It was not written to. Uh, be a balanced look at what should happen in this situation. It was written to attack specifically the Church of Christ for having this backwards attitude towards the LBGT or homosexual movement. And why do I say that? It's because this is not a newsworthy story. If there was any kind of uh, journalistic integrity going on here, um, you could easily say, you know, this this woman was kicked out of her church. So what? There's a thousand churches in in Woodstock, Georgia. I'm sure uh, she could just go to another church, and I'm sure some other church will accept her. There's no reason to make a big deal out of the fact that she can't go to this one. Um, there's no – or if they were going to be balanced, they can say, okay, well, sure, the, the church made this, this action, but it's well known within the congregation that this behavior is not acceptable. They don't uh, view homosexuality with a with – a, in a neutral or, or, or a positive light, uh, why don't we address why that is and look at the basis for her her claim? Is, is she being treated unfairly given the situation? That was not attempted. So the piece is not a an, ex, an exploration of the issue. Within the within the context of the church, it is a simply an attack on the church 
to make the, the church look, look bad. And so my gut reaction to that is that, of course, the elders have a responsibility to protect the congregation in the situation. First, first scripture that comes to, jumps to mind is First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, where Peter tells us to sanctify the, the Jesus Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give account for the hope that is in you with gentleness and reverence. If somebody is, is attacking us, we should always be ready to defend our hope. If, they, if the elders are, uh, have made a decision and they stand by that decision, they should be willing to defend that decision uh, to whoever is, is going to ask them about it. And, of course, the, in the news article says that they made an attempt to ask and the elders were unavailable. But we'll get back to that in a, in a little bit. Other, other verses that come to mind, Jude, verse 3, says, The love that was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt it necessary to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once and for all handed down to the saints. So again, that this concept of defense, this concept of fighting for the truth, debate and defense of the scripture is not something that is forbidden by the Bible, as some have said. Uh, the Bible repeatedly uh, tells us that we should be ready to defend what we believe. Uh, again, another verse, 2 Timothy 4 Verse 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instructions. And reproving, rebuking, exhorting, all are things, you know, those, those each have different contexts, each have different connotations. Uh, reproving, in, in, in being able to prove what you believe, rebuking, being able to point out things that are wrong and correct them, exhorting, being able to give people encouragement. Uh, all of these are functions of, that go along with being a preacher in the word. Now, of course, he's addressing that to the evangelists, but elders, if you go back to First uh, Timothy, the qualifications for elders, one of the, their qualifications is that they have to be able to teach. So it stands to reason that elders should be able to do these exact same things. If they're able to teach, they're able to explain uh, what they believe. They're able to give give reason. And it stands to reason that they should be able to be willing to do it uh, with boldness. If you've made a decision, if you've done the process in the right way, and we're, we're not going to deal with process issues tonight, but we understand that there's a process uh, that happens before the decision to do this fellowship with this, this woman uh, took place. There, there's a, 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 an entire process that has to happen first. And assuming that they, the elders went through that process correctly and with the proper attitude and, and motivation, uh, they should have no problem standing up and saying, look, yeah, we did sin this letter. We, we have no ill will towards this woman. We, we want her to come back. 
Uh, we want to have fellowship with her, but she knows that she's in violation of proper uh, etiquette and proper uh, behavior. And until that situation is corrected, uh, she's not abiding by uh, the doctrine of Christ, and, and therefore she cannot be considered a member. Very simple, very straightforward. Um, and it doesn't have to be – and you know, they can show every step and make it clear that you know, this is not done in, in malice or in hate. This is done – in love. Now, again, like I said, that was my, my first reaction. And while I still believe that all of those things are true, I still believe that all of those things uh, are valid. And I, I believe that all things being equal, the elders still have a responsibility to make this make this case. However, Jesus also tells us to in, in Matthew seven verse six not to cast our pearls before swine. And so there is a case to be said, be made for why the elders should not uh, address this. And that is like as we said before, that the 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 journalists quote-unquote, who put this story together, obviously have an agenda. Again, there was no attempt to be fair in this situation. There was no attempt to uh, mitigate the situation by and, and, and recognize that the situation has no news value by saying that if all, the, all these churches are the same and all these churches are you know, interchangeable, there's no, there, why is this lady have this issue when she can just go to another church. So what's the point? Um, they're making, they're, they're clearly making this a new story in order to, to damage the church. And, and they're not being fair in that representation. And there's no, you know, reason to expect that they would be fair even if the elders were allowed to give their side of the sword. And you see, it says that the elders were unavailable for comment, but that assumes that the journalists made a good faith effort to actually contact them. Uh, you know, the, I think one of the articles says that they went by the building to try to get the comment. Well, going by the building, if it's a small church and it's not a Sunday, you're not likely to see have anybody at the building. You you would have to actually contact the elders directly. There doesn't seem to be any indication that 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 actually happened, and for good reason. Because from the standpoint of the news story, it makes it much more effective to say the elders were unavailable for comment than it would be to be fair. Because it makes it seem like the elders are hiding, makes it seem like the elders are afraid to address the issue. Uh, when they, in fact, they might not be. It might be just more convenient. It makes the, it makes the story more compelling if it makes it if they can make it seem that way. So maybe there was no good faith effort to actually contact the elders. In that case, 
the others weren't really given a chance to respond and, and responding after the fact uh, has much less, as you know, no one reads the retraction. They only read the original story. So in that situation, it's understandable that the elders would not address it. And even if they did, were contacted, were given the opportunity to, to make a statement, would they present the information in a fair way? We all know how these things go. You give an interview, a 20-minute interview, 30-minute interview, hour interview, and what gets printed in the news story might be half a paragraph or maybe even half a sentence taken out of context. And so if the elders have no expectation that these people are going to be fair, that they're going to be – that they're, they're really trying to learn, they're really trying to present uh, both sides of the issue in a fair way, then, yes, uh, they have no responsibility to cast their pearls before those, those kinds of signs. But they should definitely make it, make it known that if you want to know the, their side of the story, if you want to know what's going on, uh, that that information is available, that that is something that we can provide uh, on request, and, we, and we're ready to, to do that. Um, again, I don't know if that ever happened. I can only assume that the elders of this congregation have done the work that they are supposed to, that they have made it known to the congregation the reasons for what they did. And if anybody wants to know, they can, they can find out. They can ask. Them. But, and, and I hope that that's, that's what happens. So what is all this saying and what's the practical application for this uh, for those of us who are Christians now? Uh, this situation that's happening with the, the Woodstock Church of Christ is currently happening all over the country. It's going to be, be happening more, more and more frequently as the culture moves in the direction that it's moving. Uh, it leaves the traditional values of the Bible and, and especially of the, the, the church of the Bible uh, farther and farther behind. And there are always going to be agitators who are going to try to get us to change what we believe, to compromise what we believe, to ignore what Scripture says in order to make the church more palatable to the world. And we here on the Gospel Light Radio Show, all preachers uh, of the Churches of Christ, all members of the Churches of Christ who are, are, are educated enough to do so, have the responsibility to be instant in season and out of season, to be ready to give a defense of what we, what we believe. It is not just my job, and I don't – have any title or, or, or 
degree or anything like that. I don't even have a, a official leadership position at the at my congregation. I just am a student of the Bible and I know it and I know what what is required of me and that it's my job and that's why I do this show. That's why I do the work that I do uh, with the congregation in order to make sure that the word is getting out to those who are looking for it, seeking for it. And we all have that responsibility to be able and willing to present the case of the gospel, present the the reasons for what we believe. And even if that, that is out of step with the rest of society, we've got to be available for comment if it's asked for. But wisdom comes in to play when we're dealing with people who are not playing fair. And not everybody who asks the question is trying to learn something. And Jesus dealt with a lot of people throughout Scripture who tried to ask him questions that were not questions to seek information. They were they were rhetorical traps to try to to trip him up. And studying how Jesus responds to those questions, how he sometimes answers them, sometimes he steps around them, sometimes he gives an answer, but it's not an answer that the person was expecting, depending on the situation. And it does take a certain level of wisdom to, to recognize this person is not being fair, to recognize the trap that they're setting, and to give the answer that's going to uh, avoid that trap uh, in a way that uh, leaves them no room to, to question your intents or motives. That takes practice. And I hope that that's something that we're doing. We're practicing uh, talking to people who are going to challenge us on what we believe. I know that most Christians, a lot of Christians don't have <laughs> a lot of friends who are not Christians, and, and that's a problem. We don't, we don't get the practice of, of dealing with these types of questions. The, I, I tell people that the, the block button is the most dangerous button on social media because you're, you're, it's, a, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And then, you know, you, you've, you have an, an issue with a person uh, coming on your feed. You, you, you've blocked them. You've permanently gotten rid of that, that person. But the problem with that is then the algorithm will not, not only takes away that person, it takes away all the people who are like that person all the people who are in that person's orbit. So then you're left with only people that think and believe and, and act like you do. It makes your social media life smoother, but it also takes away your sphere of influence because you don't have any ability to reach someone who is not like you, who is who is not already of the same mind as and, and Social media evangelism is only effective if you're sending the message out to people who aren't already converted. <laughs> um, you can, and social media evangelism is only effective if you can reach people who 
are outside of your sphere of influence, your current sphere of influence. So that's just a, a, a tangent on, about social media. But coming back to this, this topic, again, our job is to be ready. Our job is to be able to respond, to be ready to respond, and to have the wisdom to know when to respond, who is reachable, and <clears throat> who is not a fair actor. So I hope that's been helpful. I hope that uh, is something that uh, gives us something to think about. Um, be ready to give that defense. Be skilled in giving the defense. Be, and if you're not skilled, get some practice in giving the defense. But don't waste your time with people who aren't really actually willing to, to listen to you uh, because um, it's, it's not helpful and it's, it's just going gonna, gonna to make the, the situation even worse. And again, that takes practice and that takes wisdom. Luckily, we have a God who gives wisdom liberally. All you have to do is ask for it. So the lesson is yours. Thank you for your attention and keep watching and listening to the Gospel Light radio show you're listening to the gospel light radio show ladies and gentlemen i'm gonna go ahead and go into our shouted out question for the broadcast shout it out question you're listening to this portion of the broadcast where we have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out. And we want to pose this question to my co-host. We also want to encourage our listeners to get involved in these biblical discussions that are on social media. Now, my co-host to be answering the question on today's show is Brian Christian Coleman from the Newark Church of Christ there in Newark, New Jersey. How you doing, my brother? I am well, my brother. Good, good, good. Now, here's the question that we have for your consideration. This question is from Eddie Fisher from the United Kingdom, and this is his comment before he asks his question. He says, many congregations use small pellets for the communion bread rather than crackers, which are broken. And here's the question. Is it truly representative of the broken body of Christ, or does it really matter? What say you to this question? Well, to understand it, we must understand that as time has gone on, we traditionally we've always used unleavened bread, bread crackers to in reference to the communion. But as we've gotten more sophisticated and as time gone on, seeing different types of communion, uh, how would you say, material being used in our worship service, we have seen the disposable um, communion cups and wafers that you see now especially during this pandemic, a lot of congregations are using it. We are using it here at the Newark congregation, where you have the wafer on one level, which you peel off and, and you take, and then the second part will be the actual juice, the fruit of the vine itself, which you consume afterwards. And I have been to congregations where they have the small little pellets, uh, which are used along with the, uh, the fruit of the vine. As long as they're using these types of, 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 of uh, items, that are from the uh, there are unleavened, then it's all right. Many people try and get into the type of bread that you shouldn't use this. You have some congregations that have one cup for communion. I've been to a couple of congregations that had one cup 
And thank God I was statue. I was sitting in the front of the church building and not right in the back. But the main thing, important thing we've got to remember is, first of all, those, are, those items are all right. But let me just go to a biblical standpoint to give you an understanding. We have to make sure that we are doing things by the right way. The Bible teaches us that God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Communion is one of the five acts of worship that we must do in order for our worship service to be pleasing and acceptable unto God. Now, first of all, is our frequency. Now, all of us know those who are members of the church may say, why are you saying this, Brother Coleman? Because we have some people that are on the radio show this evening who may not be members of the Church of Christ. And they may not know, may have questions and may not feel comfortable in asking. So we should cover these things, things that we should know we should go ahead and repeatedly tell because you never know who's listening on this program. This program is not just for those who are church members. It's also for those who are non-members so they can learn more of what is expected of them so they can have a better understanding as they be, before they become baptized and members of the Church of Christ. Am I right about it? The Bible teaches us in Acts 20 and 7, upon the first day of the week, when the disciples gathered together to break bread, Paul preached to them, ready to depart on tomorrow, and continued his speech unto midnight. First of all, we must talk about the frequency. It's upon the first day of the week that we are to take the Lord's Supper. Now, it does not matter if it's the first Sunday. Now, first of all, the first day of the week is Sunday. Let's get that understood. Secondly, if it's the third Sunday or the second Sunday of the month, the fourth Sunday of the month, and if there's a fifth Sunday month, you can come back to any church of Christ. They should be serving the communion upon the first day of the week. Now, it's strange, and I've got to talk about this, Brother Butler, it's strange how preachers in town, I'm talking about denominational preachers, understand that the money is to be taken up every Sunday. They have no problem understanding that. They to 16 verses 1 and 2, upon the first day of the week. Now, if they can understand upon the first day of the week they had laid by in store as they've been prospered, there would be no gathering when I come. Now, if they can understand that and know that the, that the money is to be collected every single Sunday, then why do we have churches that have the, that offer the communion uh, once a month, quarterly, semi-annually, annually, and daily? If you can't understand upon the first day of the week, then something's wrong. If you can understand that the money is collected upon the first day of the week, you should be understanding also that the communion is to be taken upon the first day of the week. You'll find that again in Acts 20 and verse 7. But there's something else that I want to cover, and it's very important I feel that we need to talk about. We need to do a self-examination of ourselves. We need to look at ourselves each and every time we partake the Lord's Supper, we should not just take the Lord's Supper because of just a tradition or that's what everybody is doing. We need to do self-examination of ourselves. The Bible teaches us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 23, when Paul talks about everything in regards to when Christ, before he died, established the Lord's Supper, how he took the bread and broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is this do, key words, this do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup, and they had stopped saying, this cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is shed for many. Drink all of it and do it in remembrance of me. Then he goes on further and tells us that we'd examine ourselves each time as we partake the Lord's Supper, because 
if we are, none of us are worthy. Let me just say that also. None of us are worthy. We all have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But what we should do, we should look at ourselves and examine ourselves. Before you take that communion, we need to look at our lives during the week. Have we been behaving ourselves in the proper manner? Have we been talking right? Have we been walking right? Have we been conducting ourselves right as a Christian prior to coming to worship service on Sunday? And if we've made some mistakes, if we have sinned, which all of us have sinned in one way or another, either by word, thought, or deed, if we have fallen into those categories, then we have an obligation and a responsibility that we should repent of our sins. And once we've repented in the proper way and definitely ask God for his forgiveness so we can take the Lord's Supper in the right way, because if we don't, we can actually, we're actually taking Jesus in a symbolic way and we're crucifying him over and over again. That's why, so don't look at the communion as just a thing that we do in the church. It is something that, God, that Christ instructed us to do in remembrance of So let us keep these things in mind. Let us remember what the communion is for. It's part of the five acts of worship. So to answer it one more time, it does not matter if it's a wafer, if it's a cracker, or the pellets that we have in, the, in worship in congregations, as long as we come in the proper mind, I say again, the proper mind and the proper spirit, there is no problem with what we're using. I hope I've answered this question to the best of my ability that has been cl- has had clarity. If I have not answered this question properly, please let Brother Butler know so I can come back again and give a more detailed answer. But I believe I've covered all the areas. And again, to our members of the church, make sure before you take the communion, you look at yourself in a better manner. That way our worship can be pleasing to the under God. Thank you for your attention. Shout it out question. Oh. Mm-hmm.
Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. These are the announcements for the events and activities in the Churches of Christ. If you'd like to have your events and activities announced on this radio broadcast, you can contact me at Stevie B's Media Production Studio at 910-491-6405. Or send your emails to my new email address, steve 1009 at yahoo.com. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, I will not be making any public announcements until further notice regarding the meetings and assemblies of the uh, public assemblies that are regarding the public assemblies and meetings, but I will be making announcements regarding the events and activities happening here on social media. But I would like to announce that the Helen Street Church of Christ here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, they have currently opened up their building and now they are holding public worship on Sunday morning. Just on Sunday morning, not on Wednesday night for Bible class. On Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 9 p.m. Central Standard Time and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, there will be a nationwide gospel call that's sponsored by the Church of Christ in Highland Heights from Houston, Texas. And the telephone number is 857-216-6700. And the access code is 328497. This is a nationwide outreach to those who are not members of the Churches of Christ, and the speakers will be presenting a basic salvation message for them to learn what they must do in order to be saved, as well as information regarding the Churches of Christ. In addition, it is intended to edify and strengthen the faith of those who are not Christians. On Tuesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, there will be a class held by the Delcrest Church of Christ from San Antonio, Texas, presented presents the Women's Virtual Bible Class, and that class will be held on www.zoom.com. And the class ID number is 821-3692-8262. Daily at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, the Ladies in Christ Prayer Line will be hosted by the Churches of Christ, Church of Christ in Lafayette, Louisiana. And the telephone number to this prayer line is 605-472-5203. And the access code is 514-859. My co-host Steve Cordo here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. He has a new book entitled God, Grace, and You. And you can order this new book from the 21st Century Christian Catalog. There will be a spring and summer series every fourth Wednesday of each month at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. The preacher's panel discussion joined Minister Michael Crusoe as he moderates a series of discussions featuring seasoned preachers from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ. And the topic of discussion will be expanding the role of women in Christian worship, a word from the Lord. And just a few program reminders, through these introduction presents, we're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. 
every Tuesday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'll be hosting a live show, um, What a Word from the Lord radio show. And each week on that broadcast, I'll have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ to be presenting a lesson from the Word of God. Also, we have the Community Corner segment. That segment is designed for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our communities. Also have three co-hosts on that show. Lou Gilbert, used to be evangelist for the Overbrook Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And my newest co-host, Shauna Otis, she's from the Greyway Church of Christ there in Nashville, Tennessee. She has the Mid-Tennessee Singles Ministry. And her, her and her team will be on the air every third Tuesday of the month. And on Thursday, each week from 6 to 8 p.m., I'm, I'm sorry, my co-host, uh, I also have a new co-host on that on this show as well called his name is Isom Mullins he's with the, with the Helen Street Church of Christ here in Fayetteville North Carolina and then on Thursday evening each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time I'll be hosting a live show the Gospel Light Radio Show and I have eight co-hosts on that show who'll be presenting lessons from the Word of God and each week I have two of my co-hosts on the air with me I'm also taking a question from my social media platform on, Shout it, on Facebook called Shout It Out that I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts on that live show as well. And then on Thursday, on Friday night, I'll be hosting a live show at our new time from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'm hosting a live show called Stevie B Acapella Gospel Music Blast Radio Show. On that show, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, the sweet sounds of voices. Also, I'm doing the Story Glory segment on that broadcast where I'm interviewing the artists that we're playing on this live show. And on this Friday night, I'll be interviewing Gerald McCain. He's the director for the United Church of Christ uh, uh, United Church of Christ Worship Chorale there in Atlanta, Georgia. And then on May the 16th, I'll be counting down my top 20 fellow gospel songs for the month of May. And I also have a new sponsor for my radio show. Her name is Michelle Marco. She's a sponsorship manager, rather. Her name is Michelle Marco from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And if you would like to be a sponsor for any of these radio shows, just give her a call. Her number is 954-687-4705. And I'd like to give a shout-out to all of my sponsors. I certainly appreciate everyone who's been sponsoring these radio shows. Sharon Norwood, she's from Chicago, Illinois. And Bethesda Memorial Front of Director Crematory Services out of DeSoto, Texas. Stanley Phillips from the Little Rock, Arkansas. And Cheryl Marat from Charlotte, North Carolina. Yvonne Bleeping Cracker Goose from Nashville, Tennessee. Melvin Jackson from High Point, North Carolina. And Marquise Hallman from Charlotte, North Carolina. And Stephanie Booker Wilson from Greensboro, North Carolina. And the Rush 5 Financial Network LLC out of Dallas, Texas. Known as Marcus Charlotte Carroll. And Odane Faith Publishing from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The three E's of Stevie B's Media Production, it is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, we want to encourage you in a study of God's Word. And that will conclude my program announcements. You're listening to the Gospel Live radio show. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Gospel Light radio show. Have you Thank you. 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to stand in for my co-host Robert Lee Johnson on this show this evening. He was fell ill, so I thought my other co-host uh, Clay Phillips was was going to do the lesson, but he has not checked in with me. So I'm gonna go ahead and do this lesson for this segment. And our subject, our lesson text, will be taken from Ephesians chapter four. And the subject of our lesson will be uh, one faith that we want to discuss on the broadcast this evening. Ephesians chapter 4, the lesson text, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. And the Apostle Paul writes, Christians at Ephesus, and he writes, There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. This text is often known... This this text is often known as the seven ones of the faith. The seven ones of the faith is what this this text is often known there as. Ladies and gentlemen, the subject of our lesson only has two words, two small words actually. And but but there there's major, major, major disagreements as to the meaning of those two small words. Some people some people believe the Apostle Paul, the writer of the book of Ephesians, was speaking of an individual's personal faith. Thus, uh, there would be many faiths because every individual has his or her own faith. Others believe Paul was speaking of the gospel of Jesus Christ, God's word as found in the New Testament, which is one's, uh, which is it? That's the question that we want to ask that's on the floor. Which is it? Which is Paul talking about? Is Paul talking about one's personal faith? Paul talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which is it? Ladies and gentlemen, one's, one's personal faith. I want you to listen to me now. One's personal faith is absolutely essential if that person wants to have heaven as his or her eternal reward. Now, Jesus Christ, our Lord, said in Mark in John, rather, chapter 8 and verse 24, Jesus said, I said, therefore, unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. That's John chapter 8 and verse 24. Jesus would go on to state in the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Therefore, personal faith or belief is important. The Hebrew writer will also state in Hebrews 11 and verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. Very familiar scriptures that we have been reading. 
So an individual cannot be saved without having a personal faith in Jesus or in God as well as in the word of God. A person's individual faith must be based upon the truth revealed in the New Testament as taught by Jesus. In John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, listen to Jesus. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. It's John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Many people like to quote verse 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But they forget or refuse to acknowledge where that truth is located. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is located in the words of our Lord. Plus, one cannot be a disciple of Christ and refuse to abide by the words or revelation of Jesus Christ. Our Lord made this perfectly clear when he said, He that rejected me and receiveth not my words have one that judgeth him. The words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him. In the last day, John chapter 12 and verse 48. The word which was spoken by our Lord will be the standard by which all those on this side of the cross will be judged. The apostle Paul affirms the same thing in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 when he says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This faith, ladies and gentlemen, is one's own personal faith, which is founded upon God's word. But this is not the one faith to which the Apostle Paul is speaking in our lesson text. The Apostle Paul in our lesson text, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 5, is referring to the system of faith. The gospel of Jesus Christ, of which we read about in the New Testament. This same faith to which Jude, the half-brother of our Lord, spoke when he said in Jude, chapter th- in Jude 3, he says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exalt you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That's Jude 3. The faith that Jude is referring to in this passage is not an individual's personal faith, but rather the system of faith, which Jude says was once delivered, meaning it was once for all time delivered unto the saints. There never has been and never will be a need for another faith, an updated version of faith to be delivered to the saints. Unfortunately, there are those who believe the one faith needs to be updated. (laughs) One person Uh, proclaimed after all is not the first century any longer. What he and many others don't realize is that there 
there were those who lived at the same time as the Apostle Paul who thought the same thing, that there was one faith, that the one faith needed to be updated. (laughs) But Paul corrected this error in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Paul says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But watch this now. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. That's what Paul said in Galatians 1, verse 6 and 7. Paul, Paul is saying that there were those who were promoting another gospel, an updated gospel, but he says it was actually a perversion of the gospel of Christ. Paul makes the point, that their misguided reasoning stated that this new updated gospel was indeed another of the same kind of good news when compared to that which originated with Jesus Christ. This new gospel, instead of being another of the same kind, was indeed actually another of a different kind. It was a perversion of Christ's gospel. Well, we still have those who are promoting another gospel of Jesus Christ. Some 21 centuries later, it, it, but it too is just a perversion of the one faith. The one faith, the system of faith is comprised of facts which must be believed. The system of faith is comprised of commandments, which must be obeyed. The system of faith is comprised of instructions, which must be followed. The system of faith that we follow, ladies and gentlemen, that's found in the word of God is comprised of promises, which will be given by our heavenly father and warning which must be heeded if we intend to have heaven as our everlasting home. None of these ingredients which make up the one faith can be ignored. They cannot be rejected or excluded by anyone who desires to hear our Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Matthew 25 and verse 21. So in closing of this lesson this evening, in the commentary on the books of Ephesians and Colossians, Brother Robert R. Taylor Jr. quotes from Brother Winfred Clark, and he says, and this is what he, what, uh, he concludes based on our lesson text as well, because this is the same thing he's concluding. Watch what he says. He says, the one God sent the one Lord, who sent the one spirit, who gave the one faith, the gospel, which teaches the one baptism, which puts us into the one church, the one body, the one church, which is the body, wherein we enjoy the one hope. And this can be found in the studies of Colossians and Ephesians by Taylor Publications, the year 2010, page 80. That that quote can be found. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, while there may be many individuals who have biblical faith, notice there is only one faith, that one system of faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is acceptable in the sight of Almighty God, which means one, means one, ladies and gentlemen. One does not mean two or any number greater or lesser than one. Amen. And I'll see you on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Oh, I need a friend. Someone that I can depend on. I don't want to live my life alone. Oh, I need Jesus. Oh, I need the Lord, oh I need the Lord, oh I need the Lord, I need the Lord and Savior. Oh, oh, oh I need a friend, bum, bum, bum. someone that I can depend on. I don't wanna live my life alone. Oh, I need Jesus. Oh, I need the Lord. Oh, I need the Lord. Oh, I need the Lord. I need the Lord and Savior. Oh, I need the Lord and Savior. I give Him my life. Cause I know without Him there will be much pain and strife. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. Everybody needs the Lord no matter who you are or where you're from. There's no doubt I need Him in my life.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning into our broadcast this evening. We certainly appreciate those who've been following our radio show through Blog Talk Radio as well as uh, via social media, Facebook Live. We certainly do appreciate it. I want to thank my co-host, Glenn McMillian, for his lesson, Unavailable for Comments. Great job. Glenn always does a great job on this broadcast. I also want to thank my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman. He gave us a great answer to that question from Eddie Fisher from the United Kingdom, all the way over there in the United Kingdom. Uh, Eddie wanted to know regarding the questions about the crackers uh, being used for the Lord's Supper. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we just, we're just we just thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast. It is our prayer that the lessons that were given on this radio show have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and that your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened. Because you're not only tuning in this radio show, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's Word. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler, and I'm going to say on behalf of all of my co-hosts here on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
other side. Brighter day. When you make it through your storm, you'll be a brighter day. If you make it through your storm, I know, I know you'll see a brighter day. Bible says you're weeping may endure for night, but joy, but joy, it's coming in the morning, can I get a witness, when you make it through, when you make it It will be alright. I know your brighter day is coming. 